Today on Growing Through Grace. But it seems like Paul just knew when the Lord wanted him to move. Uh, I, I wonder if Paul ever stopped to consider how many places he's been chased out of or forced to leave. And, and now he, he goes back again to places of trouble. Listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jack Abelin of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. A rolling stone gathers no moss. Now that's an old saying I used to hear from my father a lot, and it's certainly a good description of Paul the Apostle, always on the move, as we catch up with him in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, and look together at his journey to Greece. Paul's commitment to get the gospel to the four corners of the known world is blatantly evident as Pastor Jack examines for us this third missionary journey. So let's join our teacher for a quick review to get us up to speed for today's lesson. Here's Pastor Jack. All right, let's open our Bibles tonight, Acts chapter 20, as we uh, continue in our study. Tonight we continue through the book of Acts. It is a narrative report. It is written, written by the Holy Spirit, obviously, and given to Luke to give to us, it is a, a coverage of the first 30 years of the life in the church that began at Pentecost. It, it shows us how the gospel of Jesus was shared by his people, how God intended it to go forth by the power of God's spirit. We've said as we've gone through this book that, that the book of Acts is really a biblical blueprint for what God would desire for the church. I think if you ever wondered how the church should function or behave or, and what it should pursue, I think your best bet is to go in here and read the very clear insight God gives us uh, about his will being accomplished, the, his saving grace, and, and what he told us about. This is, you know, I, I keep saying, I know we're saying the same things to you every week, but th this is God's report of the first 30 years of the church. So you go, well, this is what God wants me to know. And you'll run into things. You go, I wonder why nothing was said about that. And you go, well, I don't know. But he, wa he wants me to know this. I can't answer the quiet ones or the secret things or the, the you know, the, where, where the Bible is silent. I have to be silent, but at the same time, there's a lot to be, to take away from the book itself. We mentioned to you as well, and I'll, I'll try to do it till the end of the book, that the book's first 13, uh, 13, 15 years or so report the gospel going out to the Jews, to the Jews first. The gospel went to the Jews in Jerusalem. God's desire was always that all men would be saved, as he makes clear in his word. And, and certainly with uh, the miraculous way that God led Peter to the house of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, where he encountered a room full of Gentiles and, and, and got into his 45 seconds into his speech <laughs> or into his sermon, and the whole room got saved. And Peter went, well, this is amazing. That happened to us as well. And he saw them all turn to Christ. Eventually, the Jewish believing Elders gathered to acknowledge God's grace in Acts 15, and, and the word was out. We believe that no, the, the Gentiles don't need to join and become Jews first. They can just go right to Jesus. That's how grace works. And so, uh, though they were hounded by the, what we call the Judaizers in the first couple of centuries especially, uh, those who wouldn't believe that the gospel would be given that way, 
and they tried to dog the steps of the evangelist, if you will, the church re- reaching out. Um, they, didn't, they, they were irritating, but they certainly didn't stop the work of God. Three missionary journeys are documented in the last 15 years. Most of them, uh, Paul's ministry from chapter 13 through about the end of chapter 21 or so. It takes up a large portion of the book of Acts. God would like us to see how the word of God went out. Paul went out in uh, 46, 47 uh, AD, the first time with Barnabas, mainly to uh, what today it was Galatia then, it's Turkey today. The second time he went out, he went primarily to, to Europe, although he, in each one of these trips, stopped and, and ministered to the churches that had been planted. And the third trip was basically to, to Ephesus, though he went to Greece, he went down and, and kind of around, he would end up in Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey, not going home to the Antioch church in Syria, 300 miles to the north, which was his home church and which really is the mission center in the book of Acts. But but God gives us this narrative so that we can learn from the reports themselves. There's not a lot of doctrinal directives in the book of Acts, although there are some supported by the, you know, the epistles that you read afterwards. But we learn more from example and illustration and life experiences in the early church. So we are currently with Paul on his third missionary journey. If you don't have a map, like you probably see people having around you or up here, we have all three missionary journeys, as well as Paul's travels to Rome on a couple of pages. I think you should have it in your Bible. It'll certainly help you to get hold of, of what the Lord did, and it'll give you a lot of insight into the sacrifices and all that went into this ministry. But, but we are with Paul in Ephesus, he had gone through the, the old churches in Galatia, in Europe, and he found, now finds himself here in, in, in uh, Exodus, I mean, sorry, in Ephesus, uh, Ephesus, yes, sounds like Exodus, where he would minister for three years according to verse 20, uh, 31 of this chapter. Paul had come to Ephesus on the end of his second missionary journey. He had arrived there with a couple of friends who also made tents like he did, Aquila and Priscilla. He left them there because the, the ground looked promising, but he, he needed to get home. He went home, even though he'd been on the road for six years. Within six or eight months, turned around, came back out again. He, he couldn't rest. You know, he, his heart churned really for the gospel. So in, in the meantime, when he gets back here, he finds that Aquila and Priscilla have been, have been grooming hearts, if you will. They even had trained a young man named Apollos who they had sent off to to Corinth where he was ministering. And so Paul came to Ephesus. He spent uh, three, like I said, total of three years here. Three months he was able to minister in the synagogues before they rejected him. He rented a a schoolhouse, if you will, uh, from a fellow named Tyrannus uh, so that he could meet with the people during the siesta time. The cultures shut down in the afternoons. He taught and shared God's word there day in and day out. The the, the effect of God's word being taught was amazing, cross-cultural, but this was a city that was bound in the occult. And uh, we spent three weeks looking in chapter 19, which is his experience in Ephesus, looking at how God's word, verse 20, prevailed there, how many were delivered from witchcraft and demonic possession and idolatry. Uh, We ended last week, if you were with us, with a riot that was led by a bunch of union workers who had made a lot of money making idols to the goddess Diana, and people quit shopping in their stores because Paul was leading them to Jesus. They, they were tired of these little things made with human hands. Uh, in desperation in this riot, Paul was willing to face the crowds. His friends talked him out of it. The city clerk finally told him that was a really bad idea. Paul sent uh, Timothy and Erastus 
ahead to Greece. If you look at your map up there uh, in the north, they, they went to Macedonia uh, to gather money. And this was this last trip. Paul gathered a lot of money for the poor saints in Jerusalem from basically Gentile fellowships. And then they sent representatives from these churches with Paul to deliver it to James and those in Jerusalem. So it is easy to quickly read over um, where Paul went. It is, it's easy to get lost in the names and wonder, you know, just skip it over. But, but to think it through and, and how far Paul went, you know, the, the difficulty he faced, the sacrifices he made, we will learn as Paul goes home now, or actually to Jerusalem, not really home, uh, of every place that he stopped, someone was going, I wouldn't go to Jerusalem if I were you, and they'd give him one of these, you know. Don't go there. The prophets, the, everybody warned them about how, how tough things were going to be, but Paul really felt like the Lord wanted him there by Pentecost, and so he was pushing to get there. But the riot, I think, got Paul moving, and, and he just felt like, you know, maybe it's time to move on. So uh, Paul would take off. If you... Uh, begin reading in chapter 20, verse 1, where we begin tonight, and, and you go to about to the end of chapter, well, at least halfway through chapter 21, you find that Luke narrates just bits and pieces of this long journey that would bring Paul to Jerusalem. He doesn't tell us a lot. Sometimes he covers hundreds of miles and, and, and months of time without any comment whatsoever. So again, when things are quiet, we're quiet, but it does say that sometimes ministry is just waiting upon God, not necessarily reaping all of the time, as you might you know, suspect when you read some of these fantastic stories. So Paul had an uncertain future. There were prophetic utterances, and, and he, he was overwhelmed. Um, if you go to Israel with us, we have uh, on our trip to Israel about 85 people going this year. We would love for you to go with us if you ever can go. It's a pretty small country, I think, by comparison. However, if you read in your New Testament that Jesus and his boys walked from Galilee to Jerusalem on the Roman road, it was 95 miles of walking. That's a lot of walking. Uh, th these were tough guys. Paul, in our verses tonight, for example, traveled to Macedonia, over to Greece, over 600 miles, spent three months. He wanted to sail from there to go to Jerusalem. He, he uncovered a plot. He goes back 600 more miles. He travels another... 250 miles from Troas to Miletus, where he will meet with the Ephesian elders for the last times. He'll travel 200 more miles to a place called Patara, then get in a boat and sail 400 more miles to Tyre on the mainland, and then walk another 125 miles down to Jerusalem. This guy was nuts and going. I mean, he was a traveler. So we read in the epistle that Paul, uh, after getting to Jerusalem, hoped to go to Rome and to Spain. And, and, and I'll tell you what, it left marks. I'll bet this guy died old. I know they cut his head off, but I, I think that he probably was worn out. You know, the way that he went. It leaves marks on you. <laughs> but anyway, Paul hits the road. He's been here for three years. Tonight we catch up with him as he goes to catch up with the disciples. Verse 1. We'll never get through this. No, we will. After the uproar had ceased, the riot. Paul had uh, called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and he departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had gone over that region, encouraging those with many words, he came to Greece. He stayed there for three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return again back through uh, Macedonia. Paul had a tremendous love for the church. And I don't doubt that when he came over to Europe again and over to Macedonia, that he got to spend time 
with people that he had left behind. He'd spent 18, and, uh, 18 months in Corinth as well, planning that church. So he's leaving a church of three years to go to visit a couple of folks again who he spent a year and a half with. with. But, but it seems like Paul just knew when the Lord wanted him to move. Uh, I, I wonder if Paul ever stopped to consider how many places he's been chased out of or forced to leave. Um, and, and now he, he goes back again to places of trouble. Greece, Greece in the first century, for what you're reading in your Bible, was divided into three regions. There was Macedonia, there was Achaia, and then there was just the, the province of Greece, which covered usually most of the, the lower half, if you will, of, of what uh, today is, is really Greece in total. Paul, we read, spent three months in Greece. We don't know what happened there. The only information we get from the Lord is that after three months, Paul was going to get on a boat and go to Jerusalem. But instead of getting on the boat outside there in Centria on your map, which is the port city of Corinth, he found out about a plot to throw him overboard. And he went, yeah, that's not a good idea. And the better port of valor for him was, I don't think I'm going to go that way. And so he refused to get on the boat. For three months he spent with a, Jerusalem, a Corinthian church who was um, weak and infighting, divided a lot of times. If you read the Corinthian letters, they're not the greatest words of encouragement. Paul from here, you might remember, wrote the, the, the letter of, to the Romans. Um, he wrote it as an introduction for a young woman named Phoebe. Uh, it started off just being, hey, would you accept her into your church? She's a faithful servant in our church and ended up in this, in this you know, amazing kind of theological masterpiece about salvation by grace. Each year, according to what we know historically, a boat would leave with a pilgrim ship, really from Centria, the port city, to take Jews back to Jerusalem for the feast, for Passover, for Pentecost. Paul planned to get on it. If you remember, and you would have had to pay attention, back in chapter 18, verse 18, Paul had gotten on this ship to go that way. This was something he was aware of. He had taken a vow back then. This time, though, he figured out that they wanted to kill him. The Lord made it known. You know, sometimes the Lord, you know, delivers you miraculously. Here's how the miracle with Paul worked. In this case, he found out they were going to kill him. God's protection for Paul in this case was revelation of their plans, and Paul just decided not to get on the boat. So instead of getting on the boat, which would have saved him a lot of time, he goes back up north around the way that he came, the 600 miles again, making a travel with, with more and more guys in tow from Gentile churches who had offerings to bring to the poor in Jerusalem. He crosses the Aegean Sea again. He goes down the west side of Turkey again. He sails down to Miletus again. He gets on a boat, which takes him to Tyre eventually. Then he can work his way down through Sidon to Jerusalem. We read in verse 4, And Sopater, who was from Berea, accompanied him to Asia. So did Archesterus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, Gaius of Derby, Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. These men going ahead waited for Paul at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the, the, the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we joined them at Troas where we stayed for seven days. So you, all you're getting is kind of this, this broad picture, right? Uh, meeting up with Paul, traveling with him, like I said, lots of guys bringing money to the poor in Jerusalem, from Asia, from Macedonia, from Greece, from Galatia. They were from everywhere. 
And they were coming together to bless. And it was a real work of ministry. They were, like I said, almost predominantly Gentile churches. Um, You have to appreciate, I think, Paul's above reproach kind of handling of finances. He didn't take the money himself. He had the guys bring it on behalf of their churches. He was a good administrator. I think I mentioned to you one time, because this is narrative and you want to learn from narrative, in, in our culture, usually big churches support little churches, right? We were in Brazil helping to start a church maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and the pastor there said, would you buy this from us and would you buy that for us? And I said, no. He said, why not? I go, you don't need that. And he said this, you're the big church, you owe it to us. So I was happy to go, well, here's my Bible, show me one place in the book of Acts where the big church helped the little church. Because at least by example, it flows the other way. It goes from the little church back to the mother church, which is interesting. Not sure I needed to argue with him. He wasn't getting the money. But anyway, we laid it out for him. Um, We are not told why at Philippi, as you read here, Paul sent the group ahead to wait for him at Troas while he stayed behind with Luke. Um, maybe it was fear over the money being robbed. Maybe they needed to break up. Maybe he was sick. Maybe he needs some red. I don't know. We can't say. The Bible doesn't say. We are told here that he and Luke stayed in Philippi through the, the Passover feast. You remember, if you will, that Luke was, was left here by Paul on his second missionary journey. And he has been here ever since. So now years later, years later, Luke, come, I mean, Luke meets with Paul again, and now they're going to travel together. You can gain from your Bible the change of pronouns. Luke, the writer, now says we traveled, and us, not they and them. It's we and us. And you can always find where Luke is apart by the, the pronouns, obviously, that he uses. We are told that they sailed, he and Luke did, to Troas, that it took them five days. You might remember when they came to Europe the first time in Acts 16, they got there in two days. It's a 150-mile sail. Winds were with them. Apparently, the winds were not so welcoming this time. They were still in God's will. And I only mention that because sometimes if it's easy, we think the Lord was with us. And if it's, if it's hard, God was against us. But in both directions, they were right where God wanted them to be. And I know I've mentioned to you before, but Paul, in his 16 years of travel, roughly, covered 1,500 square miles of land with the gospel. Amazing. No wonder his best friend was a doctor. That's all I'm saying. So he stayed with with Dr. Luke from, according to history, uh, 57 AD, from the 7th through the 14th of April would have been these days. And then he set out for Troav to meet the rest of the team. He wanted to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost, 50 days later. So that was his mind says, I got to get there in 50 days. So he, he stayed a week with the team in Troas. The only incident that takes place in Troas of all of these hours of, of, and travels and, and days and all is the one we're about to read down through the end of our study for tonight. So that, that this is what the Lord wanted us to know down through verse 17. So we'll start in, in verse 7 where we read this. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples... Now, remember verse 6, he was there for seven days. So on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, so this is at the end of that week, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. 
The early church began to meet on Sundays after the resurrection. Sometimes people will say, why do you have to go to church on Sunday? Now, my answer is usually, well, you don't have to go to church at all, but you should. God would require it of you. And I don't care what day you go, you should go. But, but as far as, as specifics go, uh, Matthew, what is it, chapter 28, verse 1, on, on the Sabbath, and then on the first day of the week that began to dawn, Jesus rose on the first day of the week. So the church, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, began to meet on Sundays as well. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter uh, 16, he talked about offerings, and he said, look, on the first day of the week, lay aside for yourself what you plan to give so that you might give and not be coerced into giving more. Decide before you show up. In other words, between you and the Lord, work it out you know, as the Lord w- would guide you. Um, Paul would write to the Colossians about uh, the, the legalities of religion, and, and he would say to them, don't let anyone judge you in regard to what you eat or what you drink or, or the festival you attend or the new moon or the Sabbath. They're all just shadows of, of the substance, which is Jesus. But the church practiced of meeting every Sunday. So a week after Paul arrived, at night before he was to leave in the next morning to sail away, um, or as his case would be to walk away while everyone else sailed away, he gathers the, 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 the church in Troas. And he begins to speak to them on a Sunday night Bible study. Believing it is his last visit, he made the most of it. He just began to talk, and verse 7 says he talked right to midnight. That's a long time. How would you like that if that happened to you tonight? I would suspect you'll never come back. He went to midnight. He's nuts. Said the Lord was speaking to him. It was ridiculous. Speaking to me to go home. I, I, sh- I shared with you, I think, last week about our, our, our experience was young Christians with Pastor Chuck on Sunday nights and how he'd go for two and a half hours and we'd always cheer one more chapter. There was a hunger, right? And there was a hunger in Troas. The, these were hungry people for the word of God. This is the work that God was doing in Paul's day. It, it comes back to how hungry are you for the scriptures. I've been in two-hour Bible studies that seemed to go by in 10 minutes, and I was upset when they stopped. And I've been in Bible studies for 10 minutes that just felt like two hours. And please, God, may he just go hoarse right now in Jesus. You just, you, you can't deal with it, you know? It just drives you nuts. It's like watching a movie or, or watching something on TV. If, it, if it's absor- absorbing to you, man, time flies. But if it's boring, it's just boring. Well, God was moving. Things were not boring. Their hearts were open. The people were hungry. Paul was anointed. He was driven and passionate. And he'd been at this a long time. He was a vet. He was good at what he did. When we went, as the church began, one of our first missionary outreaches from us as a morning star, as a young church, was we helped plant a church in Dumaguete City in the Philippines. And we took 19 people with us for a week uh, to the island of Dumaguete. It's in, the, it's, it's in Negros and kind of in the Visayas in the middle of the country. And, and they hadn't seen this many Americans, I think, since MacArthur landed there, you know. We, we just came marching into town, and, and uh, it was an amazing work. We, we saw six and 7,000 people every night showing up at the park, standing arm in arm and, and, and shoulder to shoulder, waiting for sometimes three or four hours for the service to begin in really sweltering hot, uh, you know, Filipino kind of humidity. And, and then I got a chance to go speak to them. We had thousands of people make commitments to Christ. 
Bible, there's still a good portion of our study remaining, so we'll pick up the balance of Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, the next time we're together. This has been the first part of a two-part study taught by Pastor Jack Abelan. If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3076. It's always helpful for us to know the radio station that you're listening to, so be sure to mention those call letters when you get a hold of us. The same challenges that seek to hinder the church today were common in the Corinthian church back in Paul's day. In his letters to the Corinthians, he addressed such issues as politics, immorality, lawsuits, marriage, worldliness, and spiritual gifts, just to name a few. In working through these timely books, Pastor Jack analyzes Paul's biblical answers to each of these problems in light of today's church. And we're offering Pastor Jack studies through both the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians from our Know the Book series on MP3. They're available in either CD or USB format. So if you'd like to order the 1st and 2nd Corinthians MP3 or to get today's study, simply dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all kinds of other things available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. That's going to wrap it up, not only for today, but for this week. We do look forward to being with you again in our next program. So until then, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing Through Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. The Calvary Chapel Outreach.